Welcome to Backstage with Becca B with special guest Kaylin West. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Backstage with Becca B. On this episode, after graduating with a double bachelor's degree in musical theater and anthropology, she moved to New York City where she's since had a successful theater career. Most recently, she's been in Moby Dick at American Repertory Theater and played Shelby in the prom on Broadway, as well as understudied Alyssa Green and Emma. Please welcome Kaylin West. How are you? I'm, I'm doing fantastic. Um, Where are you? Can I ask I'm, that? Is that okay? Yeah, I'm in Dallas, Texas. I'm oh. normally in LA. Mm-hmm. And I decided to come home in June because- A good choice, honestly didn't see an end to sight. <laughs> yeah. I've been, I was home for the majority of this. I actually just got back to New York like a day and a half ago. Oh, but that's I've, cool. mm -hmm, But I was actually closer to you. I was in Salt Lake City, Utah for like the first five months of this, so. Okay, that's a mm -hmm. nice, Salt Lake City is nice. I went there three, no, four years ago. Five What'd years. you go for? Uh, uh, it was around Sundance time. Oh, okay. So Park City. Yeah, so Park City. And Park City's I, gorgeous. Yeah, my Uber driver was, like, giving me a tour of, like, Salt Lake City and stuff and surrounding areas. Mm-hmm. He was really excited to give me a tour. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really pretty. There's a lot of cool stuff there, honestly. Yes, there is. It seems like a good, seems like a good place to, like, grow up and stuff. Like, yeah, it was. Yeah. Dallas is a good place to grow up. Yeah, that, so. I definitely took for granted the like space and having mountains near me all the time. And so I love going back as an adult and I'm like, oh my gosh, I had this for so long and I just did not appreciate it for what it was. <laughs> yeah, because New York is like so close together. <laughs> mm -hmm. So close together there. Mm -hmm. yeah. But hey, it's a dream to live there. Well, <laughs> uh, so how has this whole quarantine period been treating you? It's been crazy. I, uh, I mean, I can only imagine what it must be like. I'm assuming you're a student, right? I'm not. You're not a student. What were you doing in LA? Um, I was working at Pantages, actually. No way. Oh my goodness. Okay, so you're like way more ahead of the game than I was at your age. Great. <laughs> Good for you. Um, then you do know. To, so you had a job snatched away from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez. I was working okay. So you were you were working in what? As an usher there. Okay, cool. Yeah. Was that a cool job? It was it was fun. I had just gotten started in October after Aww. searching for after job searching for a while. And uh -huh. I mean it was exciting to get the job and then it was like kind of like oh, it's going away. <laughs> It'll come back. It yeah. will. I promise it will. Live theater has to come back. I don't think our society can do for very long without it. Um, but yeah, no, quarantine has been strange to say the least. Um, I think I was on the other end of the spectrum in regards to where you were in that I have been like going, 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 going since I was honestly in high school. Ever since I was in high school, I had you know, a full class load, working a part-time job in the summers, doing shows. And so I was always like very, very, very busy. And 
after I graduated college, I went straight into working a, a part-time job and then also doing a show. And then I got my equity card and then I moved really fast, like three months after graduating. And then I just started working again. And so I, I've always just been going, grinding, working, yeah. hustling, like a thousand miles an hour. And so for me, when COVID shut everything down, once I got over the like heartbreak, cause I had just started with Mean Girls Tour. Yeah. I had just started. I did 10 performances, 10 or 11. Um, and so that kind of got like snatched out from under my feet. But once I cried it out <laughs> a lot, um, I was like, oh wait, this is, this is actually kind of nice if I let it be, if I let it just, I have, I've never taken a rest, like an actual rest. And I think that a lot of us have really, really needed it. And so I've, you know, at moments been going crazy, but mostly I've been using this time to like focus on other parts of my artistic self that never get to see the light of day. Like I've been writing all of my poetry and I've been doing a little bit of songwriting, which I never do. Love and that. like, I don't know, reading a lot of books, taking some, I've been like keeping up with like fitness virtually, which has been wonderful. I'm actually going to start teaching that soon. Um, yeah. So like, there's a lot of possibilities. Yeah. And I think that's really exciting. And the one bit that I was, well, there's two. Okay. First bit that I was so surprised about is that I've, I've made so many new friendships through quarantine. Yeah. I feel like I have met so many people in the Zoom room, which is a room. It is a it space is. that we come into together. And it's, I, I've been having my therapy sessions via, uh, it's a different portal. It's not Zoom, but it's like the same thing. And it's like, it's not, it's not the same as like human to human interaction, but there is something very strong there. Like, I love that you're in Texas right now and I can just chat with you. Yeah. This is amazing. It's, it's so cool. Yeah, it's making, it's making everything a little more accessible in a way, like. Yeah, well, I think if we didn't have it, how many people would really, myself included, would be truly going insane during this time? Yeah. Going insane. I, I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah, so that's been a blessing. And then I also got to, at the time, I had, like, given away my apartment in New York because I was going away on contract. I was only going to be back for a little bit. I left my last apartment when I was, let's see, it was right before Moby Dick. And so I, I gave up my apartment, moved out, and then I went to Cambridge, came back for a little bit. I was living with a boyfriend for like two months, and then I went on tour. And then we broke up while I was on tour. <laughs> and so when COVID hit, I was like, oh, I don't have, I literally don't have anywhere in New York to go, so I guess I'll just go home. But yeah. because of that, I got to like spend five months with my mom and my sister, which I never get. I, in the last like seven years since moving to New York, I maybe see them once or twice a year. Yep. Which I'm not gonna lie, you'll maybe figure this out as you get older, but it gets harder as you get older. No. Family, it, family's it, man. Yeah, it does. I, I mean, it's even been a struggle for me. Like, yeah. this is the longest I've spent with them in a while actually too. Mm -hmm. family, it's like I've been here for what month is it? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's September. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's September. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I don't know. Is it still March? 
It certainly is not. <laughs> blending together. May I ask how old you are? Uh, I'm 27. Girl, I'm sorry. I totally assumed that you were in school. You are? You look so young. You're like my sister. Yeah. So my sister, so my sister back in New York, not New York, oh my god. Blah. So my sister back in um in Utah, she just had her baby for uh back in uh July, July 6th. So he is like two months old now. But she has a baby face. So she looks like a child bride. Oh I mean it's gonna serve her well, but like you're like my sister. You have a baby face and it's girl. <laughs> Milk that for all it's worth. <laughs> yes, I, yes, I do. I'm oh, I always win the age guessing games at fairs. Oh, I'm sure that you do. It's amazing. Granted, it's, it's not in person, but I literally thought you were like 17. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I literally thought you were 17. Wow. I get it so much. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sorry. I'm sure that gets tiring. No, I, I love it. <laughs> great, great. I love good. it so much. People are like, what? <laughs> I'm shocked. I am like shocked. <laughs> I, I don't get bars or anything, so it's like people don't know if they like see my social media. People don't know. Gotcha. Because okay. I never really go out to anywhere where it's like twenty one up. Cause you're so busy. Cause just cause I don't. It get, kind of gives me anxiety. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's totally fair. I get that. All right. Eh, if they want to know, they can ask. Like I yeah. just did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I've been, I'm trying to get more off my social media because speaking of anxiety, I just feel so much anxiety when I stare at that yeah. stupid phone. And yeah. I watched, have you seen Social Dilemma? My mom just watched it and she was like, you have to watch it. You, you have to watch it. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's not necessarily one of those like persuasive red pill blue pill shows but it kind of is but it's coming straight from the mouths of the people who created the technology yeah. who are now in retrospect going what did we do yeah shit oh sorry can I swear on here no, yes yes you okay. can <laughs> people have said far worse said far worse things yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, definitely watch it. I would definitely recommend watching that because it just gives you, it also like, the weird part of it is that like every time you, I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but in a nutshell, the more time they can get you to spend staring at your screen, you're just making money for billionaires. Like they're already billionaires and yep. you're making money off of sucking your attention into this device rather than going out and like living your life. And you're comparing yourself to others in the process. Yeah. I don't know. Social media makes people feel like shit, and I don't like that. It makes me mad. Yeah. Yep. It's, 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 a, I, I mean, I love social media, but, like, at the same time. Well. It's not all bad, and it's not all good. Yeah. I think that as humans, we really want to, we love, we love, um, like, polarization. <laughs> we love this or that, us or them. Like, we love the two-choice system, hence look at our, you know, democratic system, yeah. when there are so many more choices in between. <laughs> um, but we, we get really uncomfortable when we can't put something in its proper box. And yeah. heaven forbid it be suspended between two boxes because then we don't know what to do with it. And we freak out. Yeah, it's, it's a problem. We, we gotta figure it out. <laughs> I know, I know. So, I, I'm like, I'm like 
what do you call that? I don't know that term. Side railing? I, derailing? I'm derailing the conversation. Okay. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> it's so interesting. It's, oh. it's fresh on my mind. I watched it last night and I was like, oh no. But it's so interesting. Yeah. Like, and it's and it's so important too. More than interesting. It's like, yeah. oh my God, this is actually going to destroy the world. Yeah. Oh God. Watch it. It's, it's, it's going to destroy people who can't go outside and can't have the interaction right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, anyways, getting into anyway. getting into like theater. Yeah, that's um, Have have you always known that you like that you wanted to perform and be an actress? Yeah, I kind of it kind of hit me from an early age. I um I did more dance when I was younger and then I kind of I literally kind of stumbled into musical theater on not on accident, but like a friend pulled me to an audition and I was like, "Ugh, dumb and then later I was like oh I kind of like this yeah. and then later oh I'm kind of good at this maybe I should do this for a living <laughs> you know so I like did shows in high school and well junior high is when I started seventh grade I did my first show I did Music Man and I had a solo in Wells Fargo wagon oh. and um I and then like I did what else did we do we did Fiddler and then I did I had my first leading role in ninth grade and in Bye Bye Birdie, I played Rosie Alvarez. And I remember after the show, my mom came up to me and was like, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, and then my first year of high school, I was actually dancing at a competitive dance studio, which was terrible. Uh, and <laughs> they wouldn't let me do the musical that year because I had to do only their school and that's it. What? So the, ne the next year I was like, this is ridiculous. Cause I was the kid who was like in all the choirs. I, I literally had, I was like Hermione. I had one class schedule, class period in which I was splitting it between two classes. So I was writing for the newspaper and then running over to the choir building and doing chamber choir, which was a girl, all girls choir. And so I literally was like splitting one class. Yeah. I literally needed the time turner. I am Hermione. <laughs> I gotta tell you, when I was 13 and I did not get an owl from Hogwarts, I was devastated. I, I still am. <laughs> I know, I still am. I still, I watched, I watched the movies or like see the books and I just, this little twinge of like regret and remorse is like, oh, they didn't want me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, uh, so yeah, I did, I, I started doing the musicals again my junior year and I kind of told the dance studio, like, I'm sorry, you can't tell me not to do this. I love this. I'm going to do it. And then they kind of ostracized me and like the main woman, this might come back. I don't really care. Uh, she told me that I was going to like ruin my life by not, by making choices of like not following through. And so, <laughs> So I was like, yeah, that was a useful tactic. Anyway, so I did the musical and it was uh, Beauty and the Beast and I was Belle. And that was the year that I decided, okay, I think I'm gonna go do this. Cause I just, I just remember feeling a confidence that I'd never felt in my life and being able to like use my, use my voice and like um, stretch myself to fill out my own presence. Like, you know, how yeah. some, most kids like they kind of sink back in their in their presence and like who they are and musical theater really taught me to go and like own my space yes especially in mm -hmm. high school it's tough it's tough for kids to yeah. go to a, like I don't know how big your high school was but like getting big high schools it's it's tough to kind of mine go was pretty big up. 
in the crowd yeah. yeah to find your voice well it's like I always had friends but I always I mean I just I grew up in Salt Lake City Utah there are not many people who look like me in Salt Lake City Utah and granted actually there is a larger like Mexican and Latino uh, population out there um and it's been growing in the last number of years, but specifically where I was living, like my mom wanted us to go to like really good schools. Yeah. So we were living in wider neighborhoods. We'll just pin that right there. So all of my friends were white and all of my, and like, so nobody looked like me. And so it was a little bit difficult for me to feel like I fully belonged because there is something to seeing yourself reflected in the world around you, whether that's your friends, your your teachers, um, like leadership, movies, uh, you know, musical theater, yeah. like it, seeing yourself reflected in places kind of before when you're younger and you're not, you don't know yet how to be able to do that for yourself. It validates you. It kind of like validates your existence and validates. Yeah, you. So, and, and that's not to say that my like experience there wasn't, wasn't great and it wasn't supportive i was lucky enough to be surrounded by a lot of really supported people supportive people so all through like high school and college my professors they gave me a lot of opportunities they put me in roles that normally i wouldn't imagine myself put in you know and so i had a lot of opportunity yeah. and i that's kind of what gave me the early imagination of oh i can step into these places just because i don't look like these people doesn't mean i don't belong here like there is so much more that's possible from from me you know in in this in this career like it kind of gave me the imagination to see myself in places so how would how did I get on that <laughs> I lose my thread a lot no 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 <laughs> that that was amazing and I was gonna ask based on that mm -hmm. um did, was there a moment that you saw a show and like saw someone on stage and was and like related to a person you saw on stage never is no. has there Grant, been granted granted i didn't see a ton of shows because i okay. like i said i was i was in school my mom was a single mom and so there wasn't a ton of like money for those things and so i didn't i didn't really see a lot but i remember when i was younger i kind of people used to ask me like oh what's your dream role on broadway like what's the role that's for you and i used to always respond it hasn't been written yet it what Yep. I mean, hey, mm -hmm. that you figure that out from an early age, which most yeah. people got later in life. I feel yeah. like, and yeah. they're like choosing roles like that are like mainstream, uh, wicked roles or something. Yeah, yeah. I know. I remember like my sister when she was. She's always been so supportive of me, and when she, when they dropped me off at the airport when I first moved to the city, she made a post about like you're gonna be in Wicked soon. Like that was the epitome of like. <laughs> my career path and I remember thinking at the time like there's got to be so much more than that it, it, like yeah. that would be great that'd be great I don't know if that's my show but you know <laughs> but it's like you wouldn't complain if you were cast in it <laughs> no I wouldn't I don't think I would complain I don't think I would uh no <laughs> yeah and then I have to ask because Harry Potter came up what's your Harry Potter house Gryffindor okay <laughs> duh I, well, I had a professor, I had a professor in, um, college tell me that I was a Slytherin once, and I think that on some level he's right, kind of like your astrology chart, how you're, I'm like a Virgo, but I have, like, Aquarius 
ascending or rising or whatever the hell it's called. I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know. yeah like you have different aspects to your astrology chart. Your star chart is what it's called. <laughs> I think you might have different aspects to your Hogwarts chart. So like at different times of the month or like during different circumstances or situations, I might be a little bit more Slytherin or like I might be, there are some days I'm definitely like a little bit Hufflepuffy. I, I'm all Hufflepuffy because are I'm, you? I, I'm Pisces. So like, it oh, makes, my mom's a Pisces. <laughs> it makes total sense. Yes, I didn't even yes. cheat on the quiz. <laughs> you, you what? I didn't even cheat on the quiz. I mean, why would you? <laughs> I mean, I'm my favorite house anyways, but I was like, okay, I'm going to fill this out honestly and see what I get. Okay, okay. I mean, although, although, I feel like they kind of built it in, like, if you cheat, that's kind of, that's kind of like how Harry asked the sorting hat, like, please don't let it be Slytherin. Please don't let it be Slytherin. <laughs> like, you, we do, we, you do, that, that desire should come into the mix. Like, what do you want to be? Yeah. You know, and I think as humans, we ask ourselves that every single day of like, okay, I have these traits. Like I have, I definitely have traits that if I've like let them run amok could turn me into a very different person, but depending on what I want for myself and what I want for my life and the kind of person that I want to be in this world, those yep. are the other traits that I lean into. So yeah, there you go. Psychology with Harry Potter. That'd be funny. My favorite Harry Potter <laughs> movie real quick. <sighs> did love Goblet of Fire, but I'm thinking of the books because yes. like, that was the one, ooh, Order of the Phoenix is really fucking good. Damn it. Yeah, no, I think uh, Goblet of Fire was, I mean, they, they all just like get into your heart. Like I remember, I remember staying up until like three in the morning reading that book and when a certain, oh my God, Prisoner of Azkaban, wait. <laughs> <laughs> all of them. <laughs> All of them. I don't have an answer for you. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> I don't like, have an answer. It's like, it changes. It does. It does. It, it does. I, um, but yeah, I would, I think Goblet of Fire was just exciting. Yeah. With the Triwizard Tournament and like everything that was yeah. going on. And then like, the Yule Ball and Hermione coming down the staircase looking fabulous. Oh my God. I, I'm a sucker for that stuff. Everything, everything about it. The music yeah. them. It's so beautiful. Doesn't that music make you cry? It literally every time, especially the end music. Yeah. Wait, have you been to, have you been to Harry Potter World? And do they have it in California? Oh, no, you froze. Oh, gotcha. Okay. You came back, you came back. Yeah, they do, but it's not as cool as in Florida. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've been to the one in Florida. And, like, I remember the first time I went, we walked around the like corner and I saw the snow-capped buildings, fake snow-capped yeah. buildings, and I heard music and I was just like, <gasps> and I started crying. <laughs> I went on the train and I was like, this is it. I'm going to Hogwarts. <laughs> Actually, that was one of the last places that I went before COVID shut us down. <laughs> like, I'm staying here forever. <laughs> yeah, I was like, we're on, we're on the Hogwarts Express. We're on the Hogwarts Express. <laughs> it turns me into a child. Yes. Full on turns me into a child. It, going to London is still on my bucket list for, for the Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. That would be beautiful. That would be so I, amazing. I've had a friend who but yeah. apparently you have to book way in advance. 
whatever. Yeah. Which one? Which one's your favorite? Uh, which movie or book? Yeah. Uh, I think Chamber of Secrets has like sticks with me because Tom Riddle and because yeah. I felt really brave as like how old was I when I saw it in the movie theater and the basilisk came out and I wasn't afraid of the basilisk and I was yeah. like. I'm so brave. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that thing's terrifying. So. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I it, it was fantastic. The first movie kind of scared me more. Yeah, that one was creepy. I mean, with the end, with like the unwrapping of his face <laughs> on the back of his head, like <laughs> ah, yeah, <laughs> it's horrifying. It's actually horrifying. It really is, and I was. I don't remember how old I was because math, but. Because math. <laughs> 11, 10, 12. I, I can't remember when they came out because I started reading them a little further, a little longer after they came out. Really? I was in like, I was in fourth grade when I started reading them. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, I, I started reading them. My, my mom was like, I have to read them first. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yep. Uh, so, <laughs> anyways, I love these Harry Potter <laughs> tangents, and I'll, I'm going to get back to Harry Potter later. Okay, great. I love a theme. I have, I have love a question a theme. about that later as we get more uh -huh. into theater. Uh, okay. But how was your, you graduated with a bachelor's in musical theater. Mm -hmm. How was your experience in school, and what was your most valuable lesson that you learned in school about yourself? Well... Just for the for for clarity's sake, I graduated with two bachelors. So I have a degree in musical theater and I have a degree in anthropology. And that ties into one of the most valuable lessons I learned in school was that in order to be a good artist, you need to be a well-rounded human. So I remember my professor, the same one who told me I was a Slytherin, told us that like you you can't just study theater, theater, theater every day, all day. Like you go out and experience life, do other things, meet other people, because Anthropology is the study of people and cultures, which is what actors do every single day in our jobs. We have to be able to pull ourselves out of our lives and effectively step into somebody else's shoes and see the world from that vantage point. And imagination is a beautiful tool, but when you're trying to create realism, you know, or surrealism on stage, it helps when you can be able to have like tangible experiences from like, oh yeah, I remember meeting this type of person and hearing about this type of lifestyle and, and seeing the, the, the world from their perspective and like understanding these people on an on a interpersonal level, like that's any interactions that you have outside of the world of theater is actually gonna help you because you're trying, we're telling their stories. And I think that the world in general, but the theater world especially is coming to a reckoning of the responsibility of storytelling and Whose stories do we have a right to tell? Who needs to be telling their own stories? And there needs to be more of a respect and a reverence um, and a responsibility when we're telling people's stories. So yeah, I would say that was one of the biggest things that I learned. To be a successful artist, seek and endeavor to be a, a well-rounded human being. So. Yeah. I, I love that. And someone the other day or the other week was mentioning uh, that they went to a school, they transferred from a, from a program where they were doing all musical theater to a program mm -hmm. where they just did like, where they got to minor in something else. Yeah. And they were like, that's, that was like the best gift you have to be able to 
have musical theater, but also be able to concentrate on something else. Yeah. I honestly think that like my, my anthropology degree, <laughs> you know, I'm, this might sound grandiose, but like it made me a better person. I was like, oh, this is making me a much better human being. And that makes me a better artist. Yeah. So like, I feel like in a lot of ways with our goals and our objectives and our friendships and our, and our acquaintances, people are afraid like, Ooh, if I don't just like commit myself to this one thing, I'm going to lose it. Like if, oh, if, if I, if I split my attention and like pay attention to this other topic or talk to these other kinds of people, it might taint what I have, but actually it enriches it. Yeah. Putting yourself, putting yourself in a bubble is not going to make you better. It's just going to limit what you're exposed to and knowledge is power. So wouldn't you want all the knowledge you can get? Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna make you more like other people instead of like- Yeah, you're just gonna become homogenized. Yeah. Yeah. And predictable, cookie cutter. Uh, so do you have a favorite, because before you, uh, before the prom happened, you participated in a lot more shows, obviously. Mm -hmm. So do you have a favorite show that you participated yes. in? Yes. Yes. Oh, Hunch, Hunchback of Notre Dame. I I did Ooh. that one. Oh, I did that one. The summer. Okay, so we did the prom lab in like January, February of 2018. And then we had like a six month break. Was it six months? I don't know. I might be lying. But we started back up in September for the Broadway production. And in that gap, I did Hunchback at uh, the Fulton Theater in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which is one of my favorite theaters. I love working there. I love that town. I love their community. Um, uh, we recently did a telethon fundraiser for them because regional theaters are struggling. They are yeah. really, really struggling. And it scares me because we're gonna need their doors to be open. Like people don't, I think people are realizing more now how much like society our culture thrives on the arts and like think about all the people that it brings to that city to come in and see shows yeah. to feed the local businesses and like it's a huge part of the economy humongous part of the economy economy wow i can't speak um but anyway so yeah i did that i did that show and i think it was a combination of being back at that theater my cast was incredible i was working with some some of the most talented people I've ever met. Uh, Nate Hackman was my Quasimodo, and he is like a beast of a man. Like, the way he played that character was so endearing and so special and so true. It, uh, it, was, it was a blessing to like share the stage with him every day. And then David Girolamo was my Frollo, and he was terrifying. That man, watching him perform, that whole, that whole summer was a masterclass for me in teaching me how to stay present as an actor. And like, I think the bit, one of the biggest plights that actors run into is like doing the show and, ooh, that moment was great. That happened so beautifully. And you have to just let it go because it'll never happen again. Yeah. And when actors try to repeat and when we try to recreate, it fails. So you have to just enjoy what happens and then let it go and then always be ready and present and available to like receive the next thing and let it change. That's the beauty of live theater. And I think that honestly, through watching him, I don't think I've ever told him this, 
he'll probably not see it. I don't think he's on social media, but like he, that whole show, that whole pr uh, production, that whole process, I don't think I had a single show that was the same. Every it's single show felt unique and different and alive and special and singular. And I honest, that was one of the biggest things that I enjoyed about that process. I loved it. And I learned that honestly, I got to practice it more by like watching and working with him. Um, but our cast was incredible that the music is just insane. We had a 120 person choir that pulled shifts. So at least like 60 people were on stage, a full blown 60 person choir in these beautiful rafters in front of stained glass. I'm getting goosebumps. Can you see those? Oh my goodness. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my God. It was beautiful. It was so beautiful. I just, oh, I loved it. I loved it so much. I could have run that show forever. I feel like it's also such an underrated show in a way. I mean, I think it's getting more and more appreciation, but like mm -hmm. even the movie, like growing up was underrated in my book. Right. Well, it's interesting because there's, there's like three different versions, yeah. you know, there's the book version. Um, I'm literally forgetting his name. Who wrote it? Hugo. Oh my God, I'm forgetting his name. <laughs> Wait, I'm, I'm typing this. Yeah, look it up. Look it up. I can't remember. Oh my God, I'm blanking. I want to say like Hugo Boss, and that's so wrong. Victor oh. Hugo. Yeah, Victor Hugo. Yay! Okay, I knew there was a Hugo in there. I'm like, yeah. what is it? What is it? Oh my gosh, I'm an idiot. Um, yeah, so anyway, the, the novel is incredibly dark. Very, very dark. And then on the other side of that, the Disney version is yeah. still kind of sleazy. Like, Frollo is a sleazy character. Um, and you know, looking from our vantage point now, looking back at a lot of things that have been created, Disney and otherwise, there's a lot of like questionable things in there. But, um, but like, so the Disney version is, you know, Disney version. So it's like much more happy and fairy tale-y and, and resolves more peacefully and positively. And then I think that the musical is kind of in the middle. Um, because they wanted to stay more true to the novel and not have it be like a Disney princess kind of show. So it is darker. It's much, it, it, the musical is darker than what you see in the Disney movie, which I love. I appreciate that so very much. But because it is a darker version, Disney won't put their name on it. What? And that's why, so it doesn't have the renown and the momentum and the money and prestige of the Disney brand fully behind it. And so I think that that's part of the reason why the musical version is not more wide known, widely known and, you know, it's, yeah. it is still esteemed, but you know what I mean? Like if it had the full Disney brand name on it, it things would be different, you know? But if it so. had the full Disney uh, brand on it, then things would also be a lot more G-rated. Yes. And you know what, for considering that trade-off, I, I would prefer them to keep the material darker. Yeah. I love that stuff. I, I love the darker things. It, it gives it a, it gives it a real sense. And you were, and you were talking, and you were talking about also how, like, 
how every show was different, which I love because I feel like mm -hmm. every show being different in live theater is the reason that shows build these devoted fan bases. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and it, I mean, it helps you all as performers, I feel like build the devoted fan bases too, because like the fans come back and see the show and they love the cast. And well, it helps us survive. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was, and I, I don't know who else would say this, but like, do you know how monotonous it gets to do the same thing every night? <laughs> like you gotta keep it alive. Yeah. You gotta I, find I mean, I can find it. And it gets, you know, any performer, whether they're super green or super experienced, like you start to bump up into that wall of like, all right, it's getting repetitive. It's it's difficult to keep that like anticipation mind at bay or like to keep yourself from checking out um, and invested every single night because, well, I don't know. I think our human brains, we get used to like repetition and you kind of have to fight that human nature. You kind of have to fight, fight your own brain going, oh, I know what's going to come. And it's like, no, no, no. I have to suspend my disbelief and play it. Like I remember, um, how did she say it? When we were doing uh, Moby Dick, Rachel said something. We used to have a huddle and be like, oh, like, I don't even remember what we'd say. I have the worst memory, unless it's with lines and choreography and music. I have the worst memory. Um, unless, you're, <laughs> but, unless you're in the position, like being thrown into the position, you're probably just like, oh, it's coming back to me. Yep, yep. Um, but I remember she said, play dumb. Like you have to play dumb behind the eyes. Like, because anything that's at the start of the show, nothing's happened yet. You have no idea what's going to happen. And what actors have to walk that really strange balance of like, for safety's sake, I gotta know what's gonna happen so that we keep this train on the right track. But for like character's sake, I gotta play dumb behind the eyes because this is new to me. This has never happened. I cannot know what's what's to come. And so it's like this really weird balance. And it's hard to do, it's hard to do, but it's fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Hunchback really taught me more of where where it feels. Like when I think about my art, I don't know, I think about pockets. Like it's a, it clicks, it clicks into a pocket somewhere. And I know, I know what it feels like to be there. And so I think Hunchback was one of the productions that really helped me like click into that and like get better at that. Um, Cause we're always getting better. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. And then before I get into a, a show that had a huge fan base and built a huge fan base, what was the most challenging role pre the prom that uh, you played? Challenging role, role pre prom. I mean, they're all challenging in their way. They really are. Um, I was gonna say Moby Dick, Stub. That was pretty challenging. That was just different. But I also think on the flip side, that role came more naturally to me than like anything else I've played. Cause it just allowed my like inner child to like run amok. Yeah. But that one was challenging in that I really stripped a lot of myself out of it. At least like the me that I present to the world. Like I stripped a lot of me out of that character and really tried to approach I don't even want to call him him because in the book, like I'm, I'm playing a man, 
but I've said this a couple of times when people have asked about it. I, I tried to approach him from a more androgynous place. So I almost want to call him a them. Yeah. Like I tried to approach them from a blank slate of just like human essence and vibes and colors and like, I don't know, like I, I wasn't, I really wasn't thinking about them in terms of like male or female because I don't think they were either. I don't think I even really realized this until now. I, I think I was playing a gender neutral character in that, um, which, was which was amazing. And like, actually, I kind of love, I wasn't intending to do that. It kind of just like in finding them, that's what happened. Yeah. So, and I think that what made that character challenging was honestly like the show was challenging. That was one of the most challenging experiences I've had for a plethora of reasons. It's a new show. We were changing things all the time. And we were on stage like the whole time. That was like a three and a half hour show. I saw that and just now online. I was like, because I was reading like a review of it and it was like three and a half hours. I was like, yeah, she's long. She's long. She, she functions in four parts. So like act one is parts one and two, and then act two is parts three and four. And there was, there was no time for bathroom breaks, like none. I honestly contemplated wearing a diaper during the show because I was like, if I have to pee or if I'm like on my period, I'm like, I can't leave the stage. I can't go anywhere. And so <laughs> it didn't happen. I didn't do it. I did not wear a diaper during the show. You just get really good at like managing your water intake. And like, I think mentally when your brain is like, I can't go to the bathroom, so don't you dare. You know, your, your body like takes care of it. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that was one of the most challenging things. And I think another challenging part about, um, I love, I love Dave's material. It's so ethereal. That, that rhymed. <laughs> um, but he, sometimes those shows that are, they're not as linear and they don't make as much like rational, logical sense. Like they're much more poetic. And so in those, your actor, you, you have to suspend even more of your disbelief because you got to be able to connect dots that are even further away. Yeah. You know what I mean? And still, like, as long as it feels real and uh, present to you, the audience will follow you. So, you know, like, the one thing an actor cannot be on stage is confused. Confused about what is happening. Because if you are confused, the audience is going to be confused. That's not to say, like, you can play confused. Like, well, I mean, you can't really play confused. But if your character is confused in the show, that's one thing. But, like, as an actor, if you're confused that's going to come across as like blurry. Yeah. And people aren't going to be able to follow what you're, what you're doing. And so I think that, you know, Moby Dick was one of the more challenging shows in the sense that, that yeah, the dots were further apart and, and not as logical. And sometimes things, things were very heady and very abstract and very poetic and very metaphorical. And so it's kind of, it's a little more tricky to make that, concrete in terms of a product that you're giving and they're able to digest it you know what i mean mm -hmm. i feel like it's so, a pretty heavy concept in general though that, that yeah in general yeah i think we were we were picking apart a lot of different things and i think that even now i i find myself sitting down and like thinking about that show of just like okay what 
like discovering something new about it and thinking about a new aspect and like understanding it better, understanding my my character in the world of it a little bit better and thinking about things like that's, theater takes time. Live theater takes time. Like think about how long it took you to live your life and yeah, be who you are. Like that's why I'm like- Still figuring it out. Microwave theater that is like up and done in like three weeks or less. I one time did a production of Rent that was 16 days, top to bottom. We had like four days, four and a half days of rehearsal. Oh my gosh. It was insane. And I remember at the end of that going, what happened? I don't even know if I really brought a character to the show. And in some ways you're like flying by the seat of your pants. So it is very, you don't have time to get like, uh, to get complacent with things or to get used to anything. So it is very much fresh, but I don't know, it's strange. I prefer, I prefer shows that have a longer working period and that they actually have time to like build their bones and like sink into your body. Like a show has to sink into your body. Yes. For it, for me, for me to feel like I'm really there, if that makes any sense. No, it, it makes total sense. And I've heard so much about Moby Dick recently and uh was wondering has there been talk of like bringing it back for a longer term of time i know that there's intention to i think in the world of covid who know i i haven't talked to anybody aside from like my cast members and us going what's gonna happen you know i i have no idea i i think covid has thrown everything off i have no idea what a timeline is gonna look like we have no idea because then there's the whole like financial side of it too of like theaters, you know, they're, they're hemorrhaging money. <laughs> they're yeah. just hemorrhaging money right now. So who knows what's going to be possible. My fingers are crossed because I would love, I would love to do that again. And you said um, that early. So it's like, it's like you're developing, you'd be taking it to some, to a bigger platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which would be really cool. It'd be very fun. So fingers crossed. Yes. Who knows? Fingers crossed because I'd love to see it. <laughs> and you worked with so many with so many amazing people on that show before I get into the problem again you worked mm -hmm. with so many amazing people on that show what um what like lesson did you learn from those people that's a really great question yeah. oh what lesson did I learn from The, the word that's bubbling to my head is communication. Um, yeah, I could see that. And like, I'm gonna be intentionally vague, but the, the failure of communication up against the success of communication and that I think that that's valuable and there's more to discover about our own successful communication and more to be aware of in terms of our failed communication, you know? Yes. Um, that's why I'm like, I think that's live theater teaches me so much about being a human being, not even so much about being an artist about like, Ooh, I learned how to, I learned, I learned how to dance with a spear. There's one thing I learned how to dance with a spear and how to dance with knives and not 
and not throw a knife into the audience. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Which was great. Um, But in terms of like, you know, it's a unique business and that we have to, this whole group of strangers comes together and has to get close really fast. And we have to place all of our trust in each other really fast. And it's, it's unique, it's, and it's sometimes successful, and it's sometimes not, but I think that we can all get better at communicating with each other and supporting each other and being more human together. And I feel like sometimes those processes and some of the factors in those processes get in our way of being human towards each other because we're worried about this, the show's got to go up. You know, the show must go on. Not at the expense of the human. Yeah. Um, or producers might get mad or, oh, I don't want to be blacklisted. So if I speak up and say this thing, then I might never get a job with this person ever again. I think that all of those detrimental incentives are just like stifling people's communication and there needs to be more communication. So yeah, that's a great question. I hope that was a sort of, you know, acceptable answer. No, it makes sense because people, I mean, people are scared to communicate thoughts and feel yeah have conversations mm-hmm. even though it's so important it is it is and i think that we can do better as as a culture and as a business in fostering those kinds of conversations and creating safer spaces for all different types of people and all different types of artists and again it, com- it comes back to the storytelling of just like whose story are you telling is are you telling it with respect? Have you checked in? Does that person like that story that you're telling about them? You know, so I just I just think there's so many more avenues and channels of communication that need to be open in our business and in the world generally. So, yeah. And then speaking of the communication, I feel like that that opens conversation for the prom because the prom was like such. Uh, I mean, it it generally opened a lot of communication in the Broadway world and online, and. Mm-hmm. It, it was a great show, great script, uh, great storyline. Uh, what, how, how long, were you involved in the prom from the very beginning or? No, I was not. So I joined it uh, the year before, I joined it in 2018 during okay. the lab. So we did a four week, well, one of the labs. They had done a, a number of uh, workshops and labs and things. And then they had the production in Atlanta. Yes. Um, so I, I joined it in the very last lab before the Broadway production. So, okay. But a lot of them had, like, Beth, Brooks, Christopher, Caitlin, they, they've all been a part of it for, yeah. from the very beginning. Like, those characters were literally, like, nip-tucked to them. So, yeah. yeah. Yes. So what drew you, then, to the, uh, the prom and, like, to the script? And how did you get the part? that you got in the show? Honestly, I'll, I mean, I'll be honest. The It was just kind of a part of the audition momentum of like my agents were like, all right, we got this thing, go audition. It was a, it was a dance call, was it? No, I had, a, I, had a, I had a singing call first. Or maybe it was the same day, I can't remember. <laughs> um, it was just another audition, you know? I had, I had just gotten back off of, um, Prince of Egypt. And so you hit the ground running with, you know, audition for whatever. And as an actor, you hear no a lot. And so I 
you don't really you don't really hang on to anything too tightly or get really hopeful about things i mean you do but you try not to because whether you get the job or not comes down to so many different variables that honestly have nothing to do with you and so in order to avoid like constant heartbreak you can't get too attached <laughs> before something really happens so it was just another audition um i had so much fun in it i honestly remember reading it and going i don't think i'm right for this I don't know. I, my in my brain, in my brain, I, I was like, "Oh, they don't want me. I'm not right." I remember walking into the the dance audition, and almost like all the girls were in like colorful shorts, and they had high ponies, and they were in like like colors, colors, colors. And I walked in with my dark hair. I had a dark lip on. I had black ripped up shorts. And, and like a black crop top. And I was like, I stick out like a sore thumb. You're like, I missed the memo here. <laughs> I mean, no one gives you a memo. And honestly, fuck the memo. So yeah. go, like, go in, go in and be you. Go in and do your thing. That is all you can do. Yeah. You don't want to look like everybody else. It wasn't intentional. And that day, I remember being like, oh, I really don't. Oh, I'm, oh, <laughs> crap. But I had so much fun in the dance call. And like, when I, when I got called back and kept on like, when I got it, I was just floored, absolutely floored. I have a picture, if you scroll far enough back in my Instagram, um, there's a picture of me in like a red sweater with like silver nails. And I'm just, I took a picture of myself when I got the call because I was just crying, just crying. My agent told me and I like couldn't keep it together. I was like, he's like, do you want to take a couple minutes and then call me back? And I was like, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, crying. Yeah. I'm just Cause it was so, I was so excited. And that show gave me, that show gave me so many blessings and so many gifts. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Uh, but it brought me some wonderful experiences and checked so many things off of my like bucket list. And the, there were so many special moments to be a part of. And I'm so grateful for that show. I met some truly incredible people during that show. And that's honestly like what I'm most grateful for is like some of the friends and family and like beautiful experiences that it brought me. And I don't know, I feel very honored to have been able to tell that story. Very yeah. honored because truly, and you've been talking about our fan base. We have some of the most special fans and the, in the world of social media, they can like reach out to us directly on Instagram and like, tell us how it affected them, tell us what it means to them, how it, it brightened their world and gave them something to like hold on to. And that's what I was talking about earlier with that, seeing yourself reflected, it validates, it validates something in you. And I don't care how tough you are, every human being needs that kind of validation, you yeah. know? So I don't know, I was very, I'm endlessly honored and grateful to have been able to be a part of that production and tell that story and give that to those people who so desperately needed it and still need it. You know, it's sad to me that it didn't last longer on Broadway, but I do not think that that show's work is done. I know that it's, it's going to reach so many more people and it's, yeah, it's got a lot of work to do. So. Yes. And I mean, you mentioned like, the, you had mentioned the fan base, and um, mm -hmm. uh, you get to, you and the entire cast get to, like, play people who, like, you get, in a way, play a part 
for like a younger you to see on stage. Yeah. Yeah, actually, you know what? Like I this this didn't happen to me during the during the prom or did it? I've gotten messages like this before, but the one that stands out to me in my mind, like I remember after a performance of Prince of Egypt, I was I was in the ensemble with that, okay? And so I didn't really go out into the into the lobby to like meet anyone yeah. after the show. Uh cuz that wasn't that wasn't I don't know. It, there's always that weird thing of just like, oh, the ensemble, they don't want to see me. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. You're, yeah. Without the ensemble, that show wouldn't be what it is. So there was one day that I was like getting ready to go home after the show. And then a, my friend came back and was just like, oh, hey, there's some girls waiting for you in the lobby. And I was like, what? Are you sure? And they're like, yeah, no, they asked for you. And so I went out into the lobby and it's these, it's this group of these like, like three or four girls and they're all they're Hispanic. And one of the girls was just like, I can't tell you how special it is to see someone who looks like me on that stage. Yeah. And like, that, that was it. I was like, okay, if I can be an, a person for girls who look like me to see their brown skin and their curly hair. Yes. Doesn't, that doesn't fit into somebody's image of professionalism or polishedness or beauty uh then that's that that's enough for me if i can like be the representation of that a little bit more yes and I, I know i saw i've seen posts about that from the broadway community about the about uh same thing in the prom mm -hmm. about the representation which is mm -hmm. fantastic and when you got the role did you were you originally going in for an, an understudy too? No, I was originally going in for. I actually can't remember. I think I, I went in for both Emma and Alyssa. Okay. Which I at the time I didn't know. That was their way of like maybe looking for the understudy because they already had Caitlin. They I'm sure they already had Izzy, and so but I I didn't know that, and so um. Yeah, I think if I had known that, I would have been able to deduce, like, oh, okay, so they're looking for the understudy track. Cool, great. Um, but yeah, I went in reading Emma and Alyssa for the audition. Okay, and then you were technically understudying, understudying both. Yeah, well, I started off when, uh, I started off understudying Alyssa. So I understudied Alyssa the entire time. And then after the Tonys, one of our girls left and she was the internal cover for Emma. So I took over that cover. And then we closed. <laughs> so I never got to do it. I never got to play Emma. I got one uh, dress put in. <laughs> yeah. And I got to do a couple like outside performances as Emma. So we did um, like Broadway at Bryant Park. I performed at a bank. <laughs> oh, okay. I got like a couple, a couple small things got to like, uh, oh, at this amazing uh, women's banquet honoring like pioneering leadership uh for women uh, by women oh my goodness I can't speak English um yeah so I got to do a couple little things as Emma but um but yeah I've never got to do it but but you still regardless fit all the roles all like all, three roles into your head probably yeah well I think when you're a part of a show that long it kind of just sinks in whether you like it or not so like when it came time to learn the stuff, I was like, oh, I feel like I already know this because I've been listening to it every day, you know? Yeah. So it, it's a little bit easier once you've been in the swing of the show f for a while. Um, 
but like it was a good it was a lovely like new challenge like it added new challenges for me to go oh I get to like put this into my toolbox now and like uh, I loved it I loved it I was and at least grateful that I got to go on as Alyssa yeah how many times do you get to go on as Alyssa 10 oh that's a I lot on 10 too mm-hmm mm-hmm I was grateful. I mean, and not grateful because poor Izzy, she, she suffered an injury and that's why. So it's like, it was great for me, but I was like, oh my God, girl, I'm so sorry. Like that sucks to be injured and out of a show. It's literally the worst. Um, but it was special because that was my, that was my principal Broadway debut. Yeah. So prom gave me my like Broadway debut and then gave me my principal debut. And so that was, that was special. That was really, really so special. Happy to see you shine, to see you get to shine on stage in front of in front of everyone as the principal. Yeah, yeah. No, it's. I mean, that's that's an aspect that I always aim to bring more to the theater. Is like, it's not. It can't be competitive. Like, if this person's succeeding, then I'm failing. Like, no. There is room for all of us to like get up and do our thing and shine in our different ways, but everyone please keep shining. Like, yeah. I can't do what Izzy does. I am not Izzy. Yeah, I cannot do, I cannot do what she does. I can't do what Caitlin does. I can't do what anybody else does. Like, I can only do me. Yeah. So as long as I like stick to that, I'm good. And uh, going back to a little dancing, because the prom had some insane choreography, Mm-hmm. And I feel like to this day, uh, you're, you all are on par with, like, the Newsies choreography for me in my mind. Oh, you're so nice. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is the best ensemble I've ever seen in the show. They, you're so nice. Dancing's insane. And uh, so how long did it take for you to pick up the dancing? I mean, you have a past dance experience, but it still, like, seems tough choreography. I mean, it took a minute, because I feel like, um, I mean, it took, how long did we even learn? We learned all the choreography during the lab, and then when we came back for the Broadway rehearsals, it literally was like, okay, you remember what we learned six months ago? Five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> so, you had to, so you had to retain it all? Um, yeah. Um, but... So it, it took a minute. I feel like some of Casey's choreography is so unique and it's very much like, it's like this thing. Yeah. Like it's really difficult at first and you're like, how do we, cause it's, he has such a unique style, but then like once it's in your body, like it's there. So, but it took a minute. There was definitely, there were definitely some steps that you just have to drill. You just have to do it over and over and over and over and over and over and over until it's so ingrained in your body yeah, it's so it's like, like your body has to learn a new language for every show, you know. It's to the point where you're like, okay, I can do this in my sleep now, maybe. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and then uh, what uh, what number was the hardest choreography? The hardest choreography. Uh, the finale had some really fun but bizarre pieces to it of just like just stuff of like naturally my body doesn't want to go like I don't know there were just some things that were kind of just like not they weren't quite instinctual in terms of how the body moves uh so it took a minute um also I think with the finale and with tonight belongs to us there's like a there's a move on every beat 
And so it's just, it's just fast. It's some of the most cardio dancing and like athletic I've ever done. So you just, and once you fall behind, it's hard to catch up. You have to just like, like it just goes, it just flies. So I think, yeah, the finale and tonight belongs to us, which was hilarious because we put the two of them together for the Tonys. Yeah. I think I was sweating watching that performance on the screen when you all were performing in the tournament. I just remember, I just remember being like, my lungs are on fire. <laughs> my lungs are on fire. You're like, but this is so cool. Like, <laughs> the adrenaline comes through kind of and probably helps a little bit. Oh, yes, definitely. Well, you're, you're also like, like you're, there was, there were so many times that like, <sighs> my, my body was like, I want to stop. I want to stop right now. And my brain was like, you're on a Broadway stage. You cannot stop. <laughs> like, do not. And then especially at the Tonys, it's like, you're on the Tonys. You're on live TV. Audrey McDonald is right there. Don't stop. <laughs> yes. Don't stop. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. You can do it. That's pretty much how it goes. Yeah. Just fighting. <laughs> yeah. Just fighting with your brain. And then you kind of addressed this earlier, but how did you make Alyssa your own character when you got to go on as Alyssa? Well, it's that, it's that bit of like, I'm not trying to replicate what I've seen. So I'm not trying to be Izzy when I go up there. Um, although as an understudy and to be, to maintain the integrity of the show, I, I mean, I'm following the same direction. So it is going to seem similar because we want to keep it. The job of the understudy is to come in and make sure that everything still runs seamlessly. Yeah. So you don't want to be so different that you throw a whole new wrench into the system. Um, I think it depends on the show too. Like, I don't know. I think I tried to, you just go in and like, I bring, I bring myself to it. I bring my own, my own personality, my, obviously my own reactions and my, my own thoughts, my own feelings, my own experiences and like how I would interpret something. And you don't really have to try to make it different. It's going to just be different because I'm a different human you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't know, like, I think it's, it's kind of fascinating because like stepping into that character and having grown up in Utah where I did, I knew kids who came out to their parents and got, uh, disowned and like lots of kids who were in that situation. Um, so I don't know. I pulled, I pulled on that. I pulled on the people that I knew and like, I'm a very, uh, empathic person, so I kind of tried to pull on how, I don't know, how it would make me feel. It's just, you know, the job of an actor, like, <laughs> what you would do in any situation, but, um, but she was special. She's very yeah. special. I love that she, she has the courage at the end to stand up to her mom and just tell her, no, I'm gonna be me. I'm gonna be me and all the beauty that I am, and I'm not gonna hide anymore, because I truly think that, like, that's one of the most destructive things for a human being to feel like you have to hide part of yourself and not be yourself. And like, it seems so easy when you're watching a show and you're like, oh, but of course it must wrap up like in a nice little bow. But like, think of how hard that is. Think of how yeah. terrifying that is to I'm have sure. that conversation with your parent, your only parent, uh, cause her dad's not in the picture and to be so deeply afraid that you're going to lose that person 
and, and people happens that in real life. Yeah. It happens. That's terrifying. That's really, and it's, it's so, it's so heartbreaking that that happens. No child, no person deserves that. And, and people probably came to the show and, and got to talk about it with you all, like, after the show, and, like, you represented me on stage or something. Yeah, yeah. Just, there were so many people who were like, this is my story. This is what happened to me. Oh, my God. <laughs> One recently, actually, during this quarantine, he, he reached out and said, like, this is exactly what happened to me. Like, the school getting involved and trying to, like, shut down the prom or whatever, and, like, it's it's just it like and and this story comes from a very real story it actually happened yeah. to a girl in indiana like this is based on true events and i should tell you something literally heartbreaking yeah and i'm sure when you went on as well so you had like the re some repeat attendees or a lot of repeat attendees come to see you off yeah yeah Alyssa, to see something different because like, which always feels so nice it just it was so nice to feel supported you know yeah that must feel amazing and to kind of start wrapping things up what's your dream role oh my dream role ah oh, you asked me this question what did i <laughs> my dream role honestly Oh my God. I want to play Dee Dee Allen someday. Ooh, yes. I, I sang The Ladies Improving for a few things at like concerts or whatnot. I would love to play Dee Dee Allen. Absolutely would love to play Dee Dee Allen. Um, I mean, Esmeralda was one of my favorites. Freaking loved that. I played Mimi. I would love to try it again though, because I don't know, I was so young. <laughs> There's so much you don't know when you're young, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, like, I would love to play, I would love to, well, I don't know if I need to. I want new stuff to be created. I want new shows to be written. Like, one of the shows that I was about to do, oh, and this breaks my heart, I was supposed to, I was only supposed to be with Mean Girls for, like, six, eight weeks, and then I was going to be doing a new show at the Globe, Old Globe, in uh, San Diego, and it's called The Gardens of Anuncia, and it's, uh, directed and choreographed by Graziella Danielle. And it's kind of about, about like her life, about these, about like it's, it, it operates off the metaphor and like the literal landscape of this garden and like the women in her life. And like an absent father, which like I said, my mom's a single mom, like, so it felt, I've never read a piece and felt so kind of seen, like this, this feels so, much a part of me already like so I was really excited to do that I was playing younger Anuncia so I play like her literally child self up until she's like 18 I think um it's that looking young forever honey yeah still playing teenagers <laughs> love that yes um but uh yeah I want I want new stuff I want to I love originating I love originating I love which is such a luxury to say that's a luxury, honestly. Um, but it's where, I think I decided a couple of years ago that that's really where I wanted to lean in. I love cultivating new works. I love breathing new life into something, something that people haven't seen before. I don't, I don't like repetition. I don't like going backwards. I don't like repeating old things when it seems a little unnecessary. Like, why are we telling this? We, our society and our people are ever changing. So too needs to our art to ad adequately and effectively reflect that. You know, so I like leaning into the news. So once again, I'm going to say my dream role maybe hasn't been written yet. Yeah. You're in something new. That'd be amazing. Mm -hmm. 
and I'd love mm -hmm. to see the show in San Diego. Oh, uh, they've, they've, they were gracious enough to extend, uh, I don't know what you would call them, a writer, but just saying like, when we pick the show back up, you still have the offer of the role. Uh, so when it comes back, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful it'll be able to come back sooner rather than later, safer, you know, yes. but so we'll see. And then uh, I have to bring this question up because the prom is obviously being turned into a Netflix movie. Mm -hmm. uh, if, you, if you could turn any musical into a movie, what would it be? Any musical into a movie? It's funny that you asked me this question because a lot of the time I'm actually pretty anti turning uh, musicals into movies because they're entirely different mediums. Yeah. And I, again, I like new stuff and I like creating things specifically for the medium. And so I think that uh, it's like the same syndrome of sequels where it's like, ooh, this worked. So let's just do it again and again and again and again to try and make profit off of it. So yeah. as long as that's not the intention, um, oh goodness. Musical, it needs to be a movie. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I have an answer for you. Um, I think that any of them can be as long as you like translate them properly. Oh, yeah. Um, Ooh, there was a really, actually, there was a really cool one that I was a part of. Let's see, I think it's more successful as a musical. Uh, yeah, there was a yeah. show that I was a, there was a show that I was a part of uh, years ago called Nikola Tesla Drops the Beat. And it was about the life of Nikola Tesla, who is the real genius behind light bulbs and electricity. Edison just stole his work. Um, and uh, it was all set to EDM music, which was Ooh. pretty incredible. That's a that would be, I think that could be really cool. Um, ooh, actually, okay, no. The thing is, is that you can't just aim, and what people have to understand is that like, whenever a musical gets translated into a movie, people, their expectations are like, I'm gonna see exactly what I saw in the musical, but it's transferring mediums, so it has to change. It's, you're not gonna see what you saw before. And then people, so they have this expectation and they, they are automatically setting themselves up for disappointment. Expectations are just premeditated disappointments, right? So you have to be willing to go in and go, I'm gonna see something totally new. I feel like that was, my sister, and, my sister will tell you this, and my brother-in-law, that was part of the issue with like the Mulan, the new Mulan movie that came out. People were expecting the more musical version of like the old Disney movie, but that's not what they got. But it's like, guys, art has to adapt. It has to change. If you're literally just recreating the old thing, then what the hell are you doing? Why? And there's Why no are you doing it? So spitting that out there, I think Hades Town would make a really good movie. Like the yeah. cinematography of that would be stunning. And the stage play is stunning already, but I think that you could get really eerie with it and do some really cool things. That would be cool. Yes. Okay, that's my answer. I would, I would also love more to be filmed, honestly, if we're talking about, about musicals to movies, more to be like filmed from directly from stage for the theater. I was just about to say that. 
I'm not gonna lie, it makes me very disappointed to watch the success of Hamilton on Disney Plus. And you could have done that with prom. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah. and it's, instead I think there's only one original cast member in the Netflix show. Is there an original cast member? One. And I think she's in like the ensemble. Not not a not a leading role. All of the leading roles. All of the ensemble was redone. Uh. Everything was redone, which is, you know, it's going to be great. And again, I'm just grateful that the story is being told. But when I'm watching, like, look at how successful it was on Broadway. Like, I mean, if, even just like, like, Beth, Brooks, Christopher, Angie, Caitlin, Izzy, like, they created that. They created that. They deserve, that deserves to be seen. And it's not taking anything away from these other actors, but like, I don't know. Like they built it. They're the bones. They're the blood. That deserves to be seen as well. Instead of just going, you're not famous enough, so we're just going to slap these A-listers yeah. on it. Like, I don't know. I totally it was, it's, it kind, it kind of make, it makes me sad and it, it hurts my heart a little bit. I'm sure it's going to be fabulous. I'm sure that it's going to affect a lot of people and keep on doing its good. So that's what matters. Um, Blessed to have gotten to yeah. see it on stage, I feel like. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a missed opportunity. Yeah. And I think that, I don't know, it might bring more, who knows what the rippling effects of that would be. Um, I think it would be nice to give that live theater, more live theater experience to more people because again, how many people can honestly afford to fly to New York and pay like $400 for a Broadway ticket? Like it's very yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. inaccessible. In a hotel and stuff. And yeah. then lastly, because I want, I want you to be able to go and enjoy the other thing. I don't want to keep you too long. <laughs> so lastly, You're okay. Have you been working on anything in uh, quarantine that you'd want to promote or? That I'd want to promote? Yeah. Oh, geez. I don't know. Go read all, read all my poetry. I've been writing lots of poetry. I have a little dream to turn it into a book. And so I'm slowly working on that. I'm taking, I am a novice. I've been writing music and I don't, I don't play an instrument. And so I, I have someone that I've been trying to start to work with to put music behind it. So I'm just kind of exploring other things. Um, honestly, the thing that I would promote right now um, is get registered to vote. Educate yourself as much as you can before this upcoming election. Reach out to your people. Check on everyone. Make sure that people are okay. Talk like that's more. That's more important. I think there's a lot of there's a lot that's going on socially right now look around you. You don't have to do everything, but where can you contribute? Yes. How can you contribute, um, whether it's money or time or volunteering or spreading information, check your information. Um, there's a lot that needs to be done just with people and with our society and with our world. And I think that that's far more important. So no, I don't really have anything to promote right now. And I saw that you're, that you're a mental health advocate. Yes, very which much. I, which I loved. Mm -hmm. So I actually, I have dreams of being a life coach, not going to lie. So, you know, got to figure out some dollars, some things over here, but I, I want to get certified and I would really love to do that. It feels very much like a second calling in my life. So I, I really want to do that. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. Just <laughs> I want to promote everyone breathing. Everyone just like breathe. Don't be afraid of sitting in a little bit of silence. Don't be afraid of like listening to what's going on in here. Yeah. Um, and like connect to each other. I think we need that so much right now. So, so, so much right now. And always, honestly. And then, and then, uh, what, and then speaking of connection and stuff with others, I mean, via social media, where can people follow you on social media to learn more about you and like learn more about them? all the mental health advocacy you do? Yeah, well, on, on my Instagram, M-I-S-S-K-U-R-L-Y-K-A-Y, Miss Curly K, because you know. Yes. Um, I, <laughs> it's funny because right after watching Social Dilemma, I'm like, I'm getting off of it. I'm getting off of it. But in order to stay connected to people and to be able to do this kind of stuff, um, I, I will stay on. I would say there's a lot of great resources on, on Instagram to be watching this kind of stuff. Um, I am actually starting to teach mental wellness for the actor or honestly for anybody through Broadway Plus and through uh, Artists and Beyond. Um, I've been in the midst of moving. Like I said, I moved back to New York like less than like two days ago. And so I've been like settling in. So I've been promoting it too much, but I'm available for coachings, uh, via those platforms. So that's Broadway plus and artists and beyond. Um, if anybody is interested, I think that it is one of the most important and most under talked about, uh, aspects of our industry and aspects of our humanity. So I would definitely say hit me up there. Um, if you want just like fun conversations to watch, definitely check out the Dr. Drama. She has been interviewing Broadway uh, artists uh, talking about mental wellness. And um, she's had me as a guest twice and we had so much fun. So scroll and find our interviews there, but there's a whole plethora of different people to listen to and talk to. Um, so, so yeah, there's a lot of resources. Love that. It's so important during this time that you're doing that. Mm -hmm. It's important always. And I would say if you can yeah. afford it and if you want, everyone needs a therapist, get a therapist. Yes. I've been going for over three years. Best money I've ever spent, best gift I've ever given to myself. And having a therapist does not mean that there's something wrong with you. It means you're a human being. Everybody yep. needs somebody to talk to. Everybody. So erase the freaking stigma over therapists. Like, it's an amazing gift that you can give to yourself. So if you have the ability, go find somebody. And I also know that there are more platforms. That's the one issue that we run into the most is um, like, oh, my insurance doesn't cover it. It's too expensive. So, you know, I should look into that. I'm going to look into that and find some resources that are more um, uh, accessible if you are a little bit financially strapped, which everyone is at this time. Um, but therapy should be more available to more people. I'm gonna look into that. Yeah, I'm gonna look into that. Okay. Love that. And they can follow you on social media for yeah. information. Yeah. And you're always welcome to DM me. I do my best to like respond to people. I don't respond to people that are like writing me stupid things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, hey, boo, what's up? Like, not gonna respond to that. But if you, I, I do my best to respond to people. So if you wanna reach me, go ahead and DM me. It might take me a minute, but I'll get there. Okay. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. And thank I'm, you sorry, for having I'm me. sorry I kept you long, too long. Girl, it's okay. Than, I don't care. This it. Hey, it's not too long. It's like, this is how much time we needed. Yeah. It, yeah. it was a fantastic conversation. And yeah. you did amazing things, which people thank need to hear. You.
Thanks for watching this episode of Backstage with Becca B. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Becca B Talks TV. Or for more exclusive content from this interview and more, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Backstage with Becca B. Make sure to subscribe to my channel and like this video, or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give me a five-star rating. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you guys next time.